Dreaming of a better sleep? Tossing and turning is not your destiny. And Ollie is here to help. Ollie invites you to sink into sweet, sweet slumber to improve your mental and physical health and overall wellness. More than just melatonin, Ollie's ingredients help you unwind your mind for a delightfully dreamy drift off. Sleep is on the way at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. This is the John Oakley Show podcast. It is a great day for talk radio. However, as we look forward to the days and even the years ahead, it could spell doom and gloom if we don't get our financial house in order. According to Ontario's financial accountability officer, uh, we're going to have to do some serious reconciling of our finances, whether that means cuts in services or increased taxes. Let's find out exactly what we face. Peter Weltman is on the line with us, Ontario's financial accountability officer. Peter, good to have you on the Oakley Show. Good afternoon. Great. Good afternoon. Nice to be here. Well, tell me now, uh, you're sort of painting a dire uh, scenario here. A picture. A picture. Yeah, okay. That's what it is. It's a picture. But you're saying the the annual operating deficit could go beyond $16 billion uh, by the time Ford's first mandate is up. yeah. How do you project it that way? So the picture is painted really on the basis of a few assumptions. First of all, this is important to remember, we do this sort of report twice a year, once in the spring when the budget comes out, and once again in the fall when the fall economic statement comes out. And it's an independent look. It's our look at the economy going forward and what that translates to in fiscal, fiscal terms for the government. So <clears throat> what we've done uh, this time around, normally the government will put out its own outlook, its own fiscal, medium-term fiscal outlook, we call it. Mm-hmm. So it'll look out four or five years. It didn't do that in this fall economic statement. Now, they're not obliged to. It's good practice, and we encourage them to. But, you know, it's a new government, and they're walking into a situation. They need to get their heads around it. So I'm not entirely surprised that it didn't happen. But nevertheless, it's still incumbent upon us to do so. So what we've done <clears throat> is we've looked at Revenues going forward, which we always do, we have our own models and we forecast the economy and then we forecast how that translates into tax revenues and other types of revenues. And then we forecast spending. And in this case, because we didn't have a government spending number to go with, we went through our own and with with the work that we've done. And that's where we come up with our scenario, and that's what it is. It's not a prediction, it's a scenario, that if all program spending remains as is, incorporating all of the latest changes that this government has made, looking forward, that's what you're ending up with at the end of the year for a $16 billion deficit. All right. Uh, so what you're saying is we got to curtail spending on these programs. One, one well, scenario. <clears throat> that's one scenario. So what we said, and we have a nice little chart on page 25 of the report that outlines a bunch of what we call a sensitivity analysis. What happens if you raise taxes? What happens if you lower them? What happens if you cut spending? That sort of thing. And we took one scenario, and we took this scenario because the government has said in their fall economic statement that they will not raise taxes. So we said, okay, so the government's gone on record saying they're not going to raise taxes. And then uh, we've heard, you know, Premier Ford has been on from time to time saying he'd like to balance by the end of his first mandate. So we said, fine, if we take a scenario, no tax increases when you get to your first mandate, what is what has to happen to get us to balance? And that's where we come up with our, you know, picture, if you will, as we discussed earlier. Mm-hmm. And that means you have to hold spending increases to 1.2% per year for the next four and a half years. Uh, what that translates to is a real is a cut of about $850 per person on spending. So the government spends about $10,000 a person now overall on programs. You'd have to cut that by $850 in total by 
<clears throat> year 2223. Right. And, and so that's just the rough figure, but uh, yep. it's where the spending gets prioritized. And, uh, ah, right. Okay. Uh, that's, the, that's, that's the government's job, and that's what we look forward to seeing in terms of, you know, where they're going to, uh, what sort of plan they're going to put forward. And the thing that we urge is that they, they put forward, a, you know, they, they, they create an objective of fiscal strategy. So that strategy might be balanced budgets. It might be a debt-to-GDP target. It might be a combination of, of, of things. And right now, that's what we're waiting for. You know, it's fascinating because the last government uh, wasn't necessarily accepting of the Financial Accountability Office's numbers. Uh, Doug Ford has signed on to your numbers and takes them as gospel? Um, I... I, I don't know, <laughs> to be oh, well. honest with you. I think he certainly, the government is certainly supportive in terms of we're able to get all the data that we need to do the analysis, and, uh, you know, the government recognizes the importance of having an independent office providing these projections. Uh, whether they like them or not, there may be times where they like them, and I'm sure there are going to be times where they don't. All right, because I guess there's been a, a little bit of quibbling over what is the projected deficit for this year. Right. I think there has been. So our number is 12.3. Their number is, uh, I think it's 15.4. So right away, their number includes a $1 billion contingency, which is quite prudent planning, but we take that out when we're comparing our projections. And our revenue forecast is a little more optimistic than their revenue forecast. So we're assuming for this year we're going to see slightly, moderately higher economic growth than what they're forecasting. And there's about a 1.2 and change different. So we're really for the, you know, on a, on a hundred and, you know, change budget, a billion here or there is, we're, we're fairly close. We're in this, we're very close in the same ballpark. I guess uh, some of the accounting difficulty also arose from what is an asset and what is not when it comes to, say, uh, contributions to pension plans, like with OMERS or the teacher's pension plan uh, that are co-pays with the, uh, with the government. Uh, is that a government asset? Well, <clears throat> the auditor has spelled out how she uh, wants the, uh, this to be treated, and it's an asset, but whether that's an asset that can be used by the government is really where the issue is. The Independent Financial Commission recommended a provisional uh, rollout of that asset until there was some discussion as to how the government might be able to actually incorporate that asset into its books. We don't get into those discussions. That's not our mandate. We follow what the Auditor General's rulings are. Uh, and in this case, we're very happy to have a, uh, a unqualified uh, public accounts that gives us our baseline from which to, to go forward on projections. Was there an issue with the uh, controller, the chief controller in the province, not signing off on the numbers Mr. Fideli had presented last week? Well, <clears throat> some, some may see it as an issue. Again, as I said, the controller supports the government. Uh, the controller does not support the legislature. So we support the ledge. The AG is the official auditor of the province of Ontario until such time as the legislature decides that they want a different auditor. That is the authority on accounting that we follow and we use in our, in our projections. All right. But uh, returning to balance within the next four, four and a half years is going to be not without pain, as you project by about $850 per person in the province of Ontario? If you're if you're only doing it through spending cuts or spending restraint, right? Uh, then it will be it will be hard work. It means and, and really what's interesting for me coming from Ottawa is that in Ontario the core programs are really demand driven programs in a big way: healthcare, education, social services. Those are those are programs that that are uh, you know demanded by a growing population, an aging population. So the demand isn't going to go away. 
uh, normally. Um, so you have to find ways to deliver the services that you are, you know, empowered to deliver to a growing audience, if you will, or a growing customer base. And you have to try to find a way to do it more less, you know, more cheaply than you've been doing it in the past. It's not, it's not an easy thing to figure out. Well, servicing the debt, as I understand, is the fourth largest item in the budget, isn't it? Yes, it is. <clears throat> and that's an important consideration. Because as interest rates start to climb, and we have that in our report too, it's a nice little V in the chart. You see rates dropping as deficits dropped and interest rates dropped. And then, obviously, the opposite happens. As you are uh, going creating bigger deficits, you have to borrow more money to fund those deficits. Your debt goes up. Interest rates also go up. And then if interest rates go up with your debt going up, you've got an exponential, you know, not exponential, but you've got a, a more significant increase. And, you know, five years out, we're looking at uh, a much bigger interest on debt cost than we are today, and it does potentially crowd out money for other programs. Peter, could you give me the B side of uh, the A side where we would have to uh, cut services? You're saying increasing taxes is the other scenario. I'm sure there's a combination of the two that could be there, a hybrid, if you will, but uh, increasing taxes. What would that scenario involve? You're looking at about a 12% tax increase. So it's about an 8% cut to spending or a 12% increase to taxes. And the reason it's not equal is because, again, if you're cutting spending, you need to borrow less, your interest on debt cost drops, and you can, you, you know, the, the debt gets itself cleared up a little, or the deficit clears up a little more quickly. But that's what you're looking at is roughly a 12% uh, move in taxes. Right. Then again, uh, there are other scenarios. You cut taxes and you anticipate you broaden your base, the revenue that's coming in as a consequence. That's one argument. Do you believe that? There are many, many arguments. Uh, we haven't, uh, we haven't gotten into all of the arguments. We're just basically positive. Our role is to, is to put out a baseline and put out some, some sensitivity and say these are some of the decisions that have to be made. And in the report, we're very clear and we say, you know what, it's going to be significant. There's going to be some significant effort required if the government is interested in getting its, you know, budget to some some fiscal target. It's not going to happen by itself. And it's important, I think, that everybody be involved and be involved in the debate and understand that there are many different policy choices available to them. Well, it's great to start the conversation. I appreciate it. Obviously, it's inevitable there's going to have to be some heavy lifting to be done. And uh, this signals that clarion call. Peter, good to talk to you. I'm sure we'll talk down the road. Terrific. Nice being here. Yeah, likewise. Uh, Peter Weltman, Ontario's Financial Accountability Officer. Thanks for listening to the John Oakley Show podcast. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe for free at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and anywhere else you get your on-demand audio.